Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? This is Luke with Owls Radio, and um, I'm here today at the Champs trade show, and um, we decided to do a podcast. I happened to run into a friend, uh, Eric from PharmaX Oregon, and uh, Eric, if you want to just say a couple words there, introduce yourself. Oh, yeah. Hey, I'm Eric Berkovitz with PharmaX Oregon. Uh, we do some stuff in the hemp space and some stuff in the recreational space in Oregon. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to uh, talking to you. Cheers. Uh, we So Eric actually makes some really, really fire extracts. We were, we were chatting about uh, hydrocarbon extraction and isolating CBDA and uh, just talking about the industry as a whole and uh we have a lot in common obviously being in oregon is 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 huge and um yeah eric is more in the recreational side um of the cannabinoids where we're sort of more on the hemp side but you're also doing your you're also doing the hemp terpene so why don't you talk to us a little bit more about your business and yeah and you want me to you start on. with kind of my background like how yeah. i got here Okay, so I started out in Texas. Uh, I've got Tourette syndrome, so I've got like a little twitch in my shoulder, mm -hmm. which was causing causing like chronic muscle fatigue and some other like issues. Mm -hmm. uh, and cannabis, I found, helped me. And in Texas, you know, it's dangerous there. I mean, at least at the time, ten plus years ago, it was illegal. So we got into um, making edibles and extracts just because it was a little, at least at the time, a little more inconspicuous. Uh, I got arrested for cannabis possession a couple times in, in Texas, and I ended up moving to Oregon after I got those all cleared up, and we got a medical card and had a medical grow for quite, quite some time, and also got into hydrocarbon processing through the skunk farm people who are based out of Portland, Oregon. So tell me, what was, what was that like, right? We've just gotten to the, this is, this is probably, you know, when I first came over to, uh, to the United States. I remember my first butane extract was uh, in a PVC pipe and um, we, we, you know, I remember seeing like this oil come out and being like, holy crap, this is cannabis oil. And this, like, what the hell is this stuff? And we were, I was, you know, thinking back now, I mean, we were watching this thing. We, 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 we put all the, all the cannabis inside, blasted it, open blasted it. We let that thing sit for probably like five minutes, 10 minutes in the sunlight, thing was still bubbling and we put it on a joint and we're like, this is the best stuff ever, but you it was probably wait. just late <laughs> to butane. Um, so what was it like, you know, obviously, again, I come from Ireland, so the thoughts of even having any sort of perception as to like what it was like. Uh, it's It was crazy. So when I was in Texas, I'd actually found their website. They'd been going for a year or two, posting on blogs. It kind of started open. So can we just talk briefly what Skunk Farms was for everyone who really yeah. doesn't even be pre-Future 4200? kind of left behind and forgot yeah. about. And anybody who's like an OG Gee or knows. Just like really running large-scale hydrocarbon, that, that's where they found it. I mean... So what Skunk Farm is, is they had a WordPress blog, uh, JD, and he goes by Grey Wolf, and uh, Eloquent Solution is Carla Kay, and then they had some other people, Kate and Joe as well. And they, they had a blog that was basically cannabis science, how to decarboxylate oil, uh, how to winterize, like do alcohol extractions, and they started doing uh, butane. They started open sourcing uh, basically what became the first closed loop systems sometime around 2011 or so and they were doing it out of like brewing equipment 
you know, SS304, sanitary steel, and, and those kind of tri-clamp connections, which is essentially what it is now on a larger scale. Yeah. And they just open-sourced it. They showed people what they were doing, their shopping lists, how they put them together, and then they started doing classes and further instruction. And, and really a lot of what we're doing today, uh, what, what all the other people are doing today is based on what they had done. And unfortunately, about three or four years ago, they got tied up in a lawsuit just because they brought on some financial partners and it got weird and it's over now. I don't know exactly how much I'm allowed to say about it, but basically the skunk farm website isn't run by that team anymore and it stopped getting built on and you know, the industry ran with future 4200 and you know, other, other things and people go on Facebook groups or Reddit groups or whatever. But mm -hmm. I mean, they were the, the giants that were standing on their shoulders right now. They, they really innovated a lot from hydrocarbon extraction to post-processing like, you know, decarboxylation and, and other stuff. Um, but the first time I met them, I'd already kind of played them up in my head. It's like, you know, these crazy scientists. Yeah. And um, I show up at this house in, in Southeast Portland, just a little unassuming house. And I go there for a class. Uh, when I bought my first MK3 Turpinator, it had a quarter pound, you know, material <laughs> column. Whoa. Yeah, right, <laughs> huge, right? And, uh, you know, Carla Kay answers the door, you know, nice older lady who kind of reminds me of my grandma. And she's like, come in, take a dab. And she's got an e-nail, which I'd never seen before. It's like 2013. Yeah. She had like 30 jars on her table, like baby food jars that were just full of extracts. And uh, she was just dabbing people out, just pea-sized dabs, uh, you know. Everybody's just laying on the floor and <laughs> having more dabs than they'd ever had before. And she's like, all right, let's go in the backyard and do this class. So she had like an enclosed deck on her backyard uh, that we, you know, learned how to run a closed loop on. And Cyclopath was there. Oh, uh, nice. A couple other people that I've like seen grow and do other cool stuff over the years. We, a lot of us got our start in her backyard. Um, literally. Literally. <laughs> and uh, since then, you know, I've made, made good friends with them. I've uh, spent a lot of time with Carla Kay and she's helped me a lot in my endeavors. She was mm -hmm. part of the PharmEx team for a while. Um, and then, uh, JD, he's a little bit more elusive. He's, he's a loud mouth online, but he's really quiet and reserved in person. And, uh, I haven't got to spend as, as much time with him as I have with, with Carla, but he's just a wealth of knowledge. And so tell me skunk farms comes in, you're starting to learn, uh, you're on the medical side and then. And then what was the what was the change for you? what was the change for you then? So, OMMP uh, didn't have processing licenses, which is medical for, for everyone. It was medical growers, patients, caregivers, and dispensaries. Mm -hmm. And then when they started doing the medical licenses for processing, uh, I got one of those. And about a year later, recreational came in, and everybody switched over to rec. And there was only like ten of us left, and it just kept going down and down and down. And I found myself in 2017 as the last medical processor. Mm -hmm. And there were still three dispensaries left that were OMMP only. And all the OMMP only growers that didn't really have any routes to like move their medicine uh, were coming to me. So I was doing that with Carla Kay for quite some time. We mm -hmm. were doing the extracts and then also post-processing and making, you know, edibles and sublinguals and tinctures and all that stuff for the medical market at much higher doses than we're allowed to do now. Sure. And uh, basically, around the beginning of 2020, the last medical dispensary essentially was shutting its doors. And we still have the growers and the caregivers and the patients. But that program, as we know it, 
doesn't exist Gone. anymore, really. Uh, so I was forced into uh, the hemp industry, really. So we, we kind of took a hiatus from doing like medicine and extracts and moved into the hemp terpenes. Uh, we had a, a small still, like a new house still, and, and that was our first year. Three years ago, we did hemp terpenes. And over the years, we've kind of grown and expanded into like larger mint tubs and industrial steam stills. So can we slow it down for somebody who has no idea Right, start talking. So, just again, I like to really go from the the roots here. So, terpenes. How do we? How do? How do you get to the point where you? And there's all different varieties of terpenes, right? And and, and purification of terpenes. So, can you just give a, a brief walkthrough for somebody who uh, doesn't really get, you know, what terpenes are, even terpenes yeah. are, and how you extract so, them? So, so terpenes are. Uh, really simple hydrocarbons made out of isoprene units and basically are what give cannabis most of its flavor and smell, uh, at least as far as we really understand in the cannabis industry sure. now. And they're basically similar to what a lot of people know as essential oils, lavender mm -hmm. oil, mint oil. You know, it's a, it's a clear extract that kind of looks like water and it's just, just pungent, super, super strong, uh, concentrated smells. Um, and what we do is, and there's a couple ways to go about it, but we use steam distillation. So we'll put water and, and plant material in a vessel, add heat, and then we'll collect the steam in a condenser. And then basically you'll have a condenser full of uh, water and oil, and the terpenes are lighter than the water. Mm -hmm. They'll float to the top, uh, and we'll, we'll just kind of scoop those off. It's just like a separation funnel or something? and Just, just essentially a separatory funnel. Yep. You can either drain the bottom or pour off the top, mm -hmm. depending on your setup. And then, you know, there's some moisture in there. So we use, you know, desiccating salts and further mm -hmm. filtering. And then we try to store them really cold with inert gas on top just so they don't degrade because terpenes oh, nice. degrade real quick because I'm sure anybody who's dried their own weed before has smelled it in the fields and then smelled it again once it's been drying for two days and then smelled it again like a week later. Smelled it again in like a year's and it time. Keeps, and it keeps <laughs> changing. And, um, you know, a lot of those monoterpenes are super volatile. And, and some people think unpleasant, a little harsh to smoke, too. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that's uh, essentially what the terpenes are. We use them mostly to flavor distillate cartridges. And now that we're talking about the different terpenes, I think, it's, I think this sort of segues nicely into uh, just talking about the different terpenes that we really receive depending on that curing process. So um, I'm not sure if you've been following lately, but there's definitely... Uh, a push at least that some of the more boutique growers uh are basically saying you know live resin is actually doing harm to this industry in terms of there's no real uh basically i suppose that everything stops at the point when the flower is, is is finished growing because it's just chopped and frozen and then it's run and it's basically you're dealing with I don't want to say uh, basic terpenes isn't really the right way, but uh, terpenes at the same time, just like cannabinoids, will change and evolve into other terpenes. So if you have a live resin, yeah, boom, off the nose, smells great. And I mean, I can't say that there's many live resins that I've said that I wouldn't like. Yeah. But um, I think that they all smell amazing. But then going deeper into it, it seems like there's a whole other level of actually curing the the bud and, and having those terpenes and then running that. That and material. I think a lot of like, you know, when the entourage effect we talk about, uh, which if you don't know, is, you know, the sum of the cannabinoids you consume is greater than all of its parts. So if you have mm -hmm. THC uh, versus 
THC along mm. with all these other cannabinoids and terpenes, mm-hmm. when you have them all for full spectrum, obviously you're going to get, well, I, I say obviously, but if you don't know, you know, you will sure. get, you know, a more uh, typically longer lasting, stronger, you know, effect. effects. Um, so what, what I think is that when we cure uh, our cannabis, if you look at testing, you can have flour that, that stays mostly THCA for one year, two years, three years. I mean, I've had older flour that I test, and it's still mostly THCA. You're not seeing a lot of THC. You're not seeing a lot of CBN. Sure. I mean, decarboxylation takes a lot of time and energy, a lot of energy. I mean, we use more heat, you know, to get it done faster. But the terpenes are really volatile. And I'm thinking, uh, you know, when you have those triterpenes and those sesquiterpenes as your dominant terpenes, and a lot of those monoterpenes have kind of dissipated, that's why more cured stuff typically giving you that stonier feeling, that more sedative feeling, more so than the cannabinoids. Mm. And obviously, though, as time goes on, that those terpenes are definitely going away. Absolutely. You know, there's no question that's about like it. Whole, like curing thing, because I mean, we kind of cure it based on smell, really. I mean, the cannabinoids aren't changing all that much. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder, is the curing process different if you were to do fresh live resin, you do the initial extraction, and then there's a curing post-process after the fact. You have it in a jar, you burp it once a day, whatever it is, treat it just like you would with the buds versus get the buds. Because I'm all for, like, let's condense this. Let's condense this bud down right now because, like, we just dropped a few acres and... We need to get this thing condensed ASAP before it, you know, is it's turning gross. into biomass, right? And so it's a very fine line of of wanting. And I think freezing it is a wonderful idea because it takes off a lot of headache. Obviously, you need a big container to freeze it, but sort of you don't need to be too concerned about uh, about how you're going to dry it. However, water content getting into your material is another is another tough one yeah, um, because it's frozen our, our emulsive after the fact we're removing moisture after the fact to keep it out of our butane yeah but you know when you're running i guess if you keep everything really really cold and you take some extra precautions you can minimize it but like you see with rosin something that has a lot of moisture in it kind of goes rancid it causes oxidation and rancidity and weird flavors and smells that you don't really get when you don't have that moisture in there. You also got those fats and lipids in the rosin too. So it's like, I don't know, there's, there's a, there has to, there's a good in between. I think I, I'm appreciative. I'm appreciative now of all extracts. Um, I think that I definitely think that rosin gets me higher than anything though, for whatever reason, I don't know what it is, but there's definitely something with rosin and it's just like, it's more of a full body effect. It's a little on the, yeah. But if you ever do, if you ever like, if, if you ever doing winterization of some nice, but I mean, the fats and lipids smell f- wonderful. A lot of the time they smell wonderful. And I suppose maybe you could, I'm thinking, purify the fats effectively, right? By maybe spinning it in a centrifuge or something like that to really make sure that all your terpenes, cannabinoids are out of there. I think a lot of cannabinoids are left in those wax. Yeah, there's bags. a lot. I haven't actually taken any wax to a lab. Now I've got some in-house testing, so we'll play with that a little more. But yeah. I'm sure there's a lot, and and the terpenes as well, which maybe people can use for like lotion or candles or something soap. I don't know. I mean, the fats and lipids are good. I mean, if you if you're if you're doing a topical, if you're doing even a tincture to some points, you want those fatty fatty acids in there. 
I think it aids the entourage effect. I mean, we don't know exactly what does. Do you know? Do you know how they like work backwards in Israel? Do you know what they're? So so Israel's got like a hundred strains or whatever strains, and those are like the approved strains they work with. And what they'll do is, uh, let's say, there's a group of kids with a certain type of seizure. Mm-hmm. They'll give them, you know, all sorts of different flour until they find a flower that like 80% or whatever the number there is it's looking for works. And then they're like, all right, so here's the flower that works for this thing. And then they start deconstructing it. So they're like, well, let's recreate this cannabinoid and terpene profile, but just with isolates and give it to them. And then they start taking things out one at a time mm. until they find like, what's actually the combination of cannabinoids and terpenes that's like giving them this effect. And they've been on it. Israel for quite some time. They're way ahead. They're light years ahead of us. Like. I um, saw Dr. Didi Miri speak a couple times at the Cannabis Science Conference that we have here in Portland, typically mm-hmm. every August. So I guess that's coming up if they don't cancel it. But um, that's what he was talking about. And he's one of Raphael Meshulam's like main, oh, nice. main students, protégés, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think once we start doing that in the U.S. Or, or maybe just kind of see what Israel's doing, we'll kind of start to see what's actually causing this entourage effect but i wouldn't be surprised if these other you know lipids or waxes or any other things are aiding it especially when you're eating it yeah no question no question and i think from uh from just going around the show yesterday i mean so many new cannabinoids are are coming out and i think it's uh, fascinating just to think of you know, five years ago, putting some cannabis in a PVC pipe and getting this sort of waxy, oily substance out to yesterday. Uh, <laughs> now we're talking to uh, uh, people about HHC. And uh, we actually have a couple samples here of some HHC. And um, for those of you who don't know, HHC is... Uh, called hexahydrocannabinol. I believe. Right, hexahydrocannabinol. And um, this is probably going to be the new hottest cannabinoid. There's definitely THCO as well. I've, I've tried that too. Main thing is, is that HHC is, is, is effectively your backup safety for anyone involved with Delta 8 because it is fully compliant in nearly every state unless they have some rules about... I mean, depending, some states might say no artificially derived cannabinoids, but majority of them are saying... None of those ones with the THC right. in it's it. Three letters. Yeah, if you got that THC in it. You know, yesterday, <laughs> Delta 8, everybody had to put stickers over their sign where it said Delta 8. But I found someone selling openly THCO. Yeah. And there was uh, a couple other, like, you know, I think I saw someone selling Delta 10 open. It was the Delta 8 was the no-no. Yeah, Delta 8's the no-no. And so... Uh, and so it's a really fascinating time because there's over 155, I think, identified different cannabinoids right now. Not including all the synthetic ones. The oh, HGs yeah. And the JWHs. And yeah, and now it's like we're just starting to unravel all of this. So um, Eric had the good ideas for us to keep a clean head this morning and uh and and try these out and and see what they're like so um and to give a little bit of feedback so let's uh let's have a little see here uh how what these are like we tried them yesterday but again when you're at an event it's sort of hard to see uh 
really Are we gonna set the smoke alarm off in here okay right on yeah, I've. Uh, it's a beauty with vapor, right? I mean, it's like more often than not, I, I haven't been successful in setting off an uh, an alarm yet. I don't think I have either. Try to be cautious, though. I'd hate to set an alarm off in such a big hotel. Yeah, I'll say, hey, Eric, Eric came by. I don't know who this guy is. He brought this cannabis stuff and get him out of here. He just started right. smoking in my I room. I guess it's legal here. Well, the Delta Eight isn't. That's funny. I mean, we're in this, this state, Nevada, and the Delta 8 is illegal, but they've got rec shops on every corner and CBD shops on every corner. Um, I feel it I feel it right in my forehead first. I don't get it as much with Delta 9 anymore, but when I, I used to do big dabs, I'd get this like feeling of like a pinprick in the center of my brain and then like blood rushing through my head, kind of. Yeah, I'm feeling it. I mean, I'm definitely feeling it. I think my lungs could be the terps, but... Um, I feel like a, I, I feel like it's like a, it's like a contracting of, 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 I don't know how to put it, but tightening of the chest. It's a tight, I have a tightening of the chest. Very used to like, if I took a big dab it's and, this, uh, and this last one was definitely a heavier hit because it wasn't, uh, wasn't working, but I have that feeling of like when I take a dab and I'm like short of breath is sort of how I feel, which is something that as funny as it sounds, I think people enjoy absolutely I like they it's like some people might take that as a negative thing like oh my god are you like <laughs> this one feels a little tightening some other ones feel a little more like expansive like it's open let's have a try yeah, so we'll we got trade. two we got we got two of them here um and looks like both of these are from eye crusher eye crusher been killing it lately i mean the oil's nice and thick i like that i, I do like the fact that it's nice and thick I definitely feel it in my eyes. I feel yeah, it I coming like over immediate, my eyes. Uh, similar to, yeah, yo, headband. I mean, I, I'm telling you, headband, I no joke felt like a band around my head. There's no other way to explain it, but like almost like an aura around my head when I smoked that headband stuff. Have you noticed how like a lot of cannabinoids we don't really know about, they'll always say it's good for glaucoma, like it provides ocular pressure relief? No, I've, I've like whenever I was studying cannabinoids, you know, before they were really readily available, or we knew much about them, CBC, CBG, you know, all of them. That's one of the few things that they'll say, like, as an observed effect that they actually know about is the ocular pressure relief, which I guess they use for glaucoma patients. And I've always wondered if when I feel that headband, if that's ocular pressure relief or uh, it has something to it. These are. So, so we got these from two different vendors. They look pretty similar in color. I think it's probably the same oil. Two different I think vendors. Different terps, though. One hundred percent different more like terps. A berry, and this is like a. This is like a melon, like a melon or. A, this a, is more like a. I think they said it was gelato. It's more of a berry sort of flavor. Yeah, it's it's weird, but um, interesting. It definitely gets definitely a little feeling. stoned. So yeah, there's definitely a stone feeling. I would say that. Uh, more on the heavier side, honestly, I would say. And for me, I'm not a very big user, but I definitely, I'd say it's a stronger feeling of Delta 8 is, is more, I'd say. I would, could I, I would almost say I feel like a nice, cozy, relaxed feeling. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to stand up. I feel like very... very yeah, more like an edible, more like a lighter edible indica feeling. Um the obviously we've only just started but i feel still pretty clear-headed 
you know, still pretty clear-headed. Um, Delta Nine, as I said, is something. I know this is like this is nice. I'm enjoying this honestly. I think it's uh, especially to have it fresh in the morning, as opposed to like yesterday, which is like so many different cannabinoids. Right. <laughs> um, with Delta Eight, when I first started playing with it, I'd smoke it like in the middle of the day or the end of the day, and I'd never feel it because I always had THC Delta Nine in my yeah. System. And then I started doing it first thing in the morning. I got great energy, like go clean your house kind of energy. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I think that's the thing. We are slowly, and that's why I just love being a part of this industry because it is so fascinating. To it's like it's like we've been given this puzzle that needs to be put together and there's just so many different components and so many angles to it and so much opportunity whether it's ancillary products it's whether it's you know the terpenes whether it's cannabinoids whether it's the fiber whether it's you know the renewable energy it's just keeps on giving and i really believe that it's gonna help revolutionize this world like i i genuinely do and i think that the stuff that we're huffing and puffing on right now i think in the cannabinoids i think absolutely has its place but i think that there's going to be a very big dominant like much bigger whether like hemp crease or like other like things that can literally revolutionize the whole world paper for instance the price of wood recently it's ridiculous like tripled over the past six months I'm thinking, go get some fiber, some wood glue, a hot press, start making plywood. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And uh, well, that really, a lot of this, unfortunately, all comes back to inflation, right? And it comes back to uh, just the ridiculous printing of money that the American government calls quantitative easing um, that is effectively just reducing buying power across the board if you're not some of the super wealthy at the very top and it's just bonkers to see how much like specifically lumber um has just been going up even housing housing has been going up ridiculously as well i think like 22 percent or something uh it's crazy i bought a house five six years ago it's more than doubled in value which (laughs) is awesome it's great yeah but then you're in the situation where it's like well if i sold it I'd have to go buy somewhere else that's also probably doubled in value. And then, you know, if my house is doubled in value in three years, and in the last three years we've printed, I it's like 30% of the money in circulation right now was printed in the last year. The so it's like, more, is it- more money, the, so far COVID, COVID has cost, more money has been spent on COVID than the whole of World War One and Two combined. In today's money? Wow. Yeah. You can't just take and, and six trillion dollars and just saying we need to inject this now. It's like I see it as like you know I see it as like you know this dead body just sort of be passed out and you get the electric shock out and it's like give them the six trillion dollars and it's like Doof. it's like okay we got a heartbeat again and it's like oh no we're still doing the same things again and again and again and you know pushing out the debt cycle and just all of these like ridiculous things that is really coming back to one thing. And, and I think that that is cryptocurrency. And I think that cryptocurrency is now giving us the opportunity to say, you know what, we don't necessarily need to play that. And while there's all these other people up here and they want to be like basically just devaluing 
our currency and uh, we have no choice in that matter nor do we have a choice in where our dollars are spent or anything like that well we could uh just have bitcoin instead and i think it's and, and i think it really gives a lot of power back to the people where do you see uh blockchain technology playing the most like important role over the next five or ten years in can in cannabis is it something like vchain for supply chain tracking is it something like nfts for like strain authentication is it some i mean what what do you oh think my of? god i mean it's it's just so big to even like mm -hmm. i think just just what's the most important right it's like i look at it as like getting paid, there's just so many possible areas of this world that needs like a leg up really and I think that the first thing is to probably I think DeFi is huge, honestly. Especially I, I like in it's a cash only industry. Like we're it, unbanked for the most part. Yeah, my I mean sixty six analytical labs unbanked. They're an analytical lab. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy just to think how um how privileged we are to have something called a bank. Right. And if you just happen to be in a country which is 66% of this world's population doesn't have banking. But they have smartphones. Yeah. Now it's like if you're bar it, it just the barriers of entry have just been dropped to basically play in the financial world. And, and, and whether if you're the person in El Salvador where $10 is a shit ton of money, um, you shouldn't really have any different barriers to entry for somebody who has a billion dollars. And now this is going to have a borderless payment system that isn't governed by any government body and can't be devalued because a current, a com, a, it can't be just printed. And so it gives financial freedom to people to make a decision of where to put their value or their energy realistically. And, you know, I, I look at my son now, he's three, and I think he'll probably look, I think he, he's probably going to be in the generation of like, they'll be talking about, you used to carry around paper in your pocket and that was such a, must have been an odd thing. Like, well, what we did you do younger, when you had when like... When we were younger, our parents carried around checkbooks. Yeah, I mean, I even like I, 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 I remember I turned 13 and got my first bank account and they gave me a checkbook and I never used it. And, you know, since then, you know, debit cards have become readily available. And now there's the payment apps, you know, Venmo and Zelle and, and PayPal. But um, yeah, you're, you're definitely, definitely right. It's going to be a huge change financially. And for instance, I send some hemp products to, to Europe. Sure. You know, I've got customers who, when they send me a wire, not only does it cost them, cost them $30, um, but it takes like seven days to get to me. That doesn't make any sense. I mean. Well, we just had the biggest noise pop into our headphones from the computer yeah, there. It was, scary. <laughs> it was like, holy shit. <laughs> Keep the call. Oh, so whoa. like 10 minutes later or so, yeah. Any changed effects? I feel pretty much. Might have I feel kind pretty of, 
I just feel pretty high, honestly. As but I, as I said, so for me, don't really. I smoke more D eight. Uh, I I do. I have sort of been enjoying. I got went to a few of the dispensaries here actually, but I'd say that I'm feeling, I'm feeling noticeable effects is is what I would say, and uh, yeah, I I feel like I feel like my knees tapping and like like. Uh, more like elevated, I suppose. I'm more like wanted to like move and do stuff. I suppose is how is how I'm feeling more maybe up. Yeah, I feel more up than when I initially did it. It was initially very relaxing, and my my neck and shoulders are, are really relaxed, which I can tell just because they're normally, you know, a stress tense. I carry tense. Yeah, now I guess I feel a little stoned. That's pretty interesting. I've been following uh, Dr. Mark Scaldone over the years. He's on Hash Church, and he and yeah. I've gone back and forth. When I was developing D8 stuff a couple of years ago, he was helping me with, with some testing and stuff. And uh, he's had it for a while. They patented it, which, I mean, it's been patented a few times in the past. I think they just had a method they patented. And uh, he never, at least to my recollection, mentioned it being like THC or having a high. Um, CBND is another one apparently that's supposed to have a similar effect. I heard, and I don't know if there's CO. I don't think there's COAs for this yet. So this is yeah, you're bringing up a very me, good point right now. Somebody else told me this is three different stereoisomers, which I think the next comment in the thread said, "Can you only not have two stereoisomers?" But I don't know. Maybe they're just different positions. I'm not not a chemist. I just play one in a lab <laughs> yeah yep. yeah yeah it's so this is the thing right what exactly is it i think again because there's no standards for it they could see the peaks on the chromatograph right that basically says boom this is to this standard uh or this is this at least is 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 coming off at those uh time frames right yeah, I mean, I would assume... Right, isn't it the light? So light, basically, as it comes down, the light refracts through it, and then, depending on the on time, the time it, yeah. it's the it's when you time. know, okay, well, this is CBD, this is THC, this is HHC, because it's so far down the line, or whatever it so is. So, you should be able to do that. I mean, with an HPLC, I would think you kind of have to have a standard to work with, to base it off of, but MS, there's like, electric libraries i believe that you can reference um but i i don't know exactly i haven't seen the coa i don't think they have coas i would hope they have some chromatography they're sharing with people but but we might be putting the cart in front of the horse it's kind of like the first couple months d8 really popped off uh everything was purple and red and really low numbers and really high d9 and yep. now it's gotten a lot better but I'm not sure I would have told someone in my family to go buy D8 six months ago or a year no. ago. And now I wouldn't feel as worried about it, but I'd still, you know, have some... There's a lot of businesses out there now. And I think that... I think people are beginning to get more educated. I'm definitely, like, stretching a good bit now. Like... I'm saying I'm feeling... I'd say it's, I feel pretty good. So uh, pretty good. Yeah, it's it's real interesting. It's pretty similar to D eight, D nine, pretty similar body and head feelings. Yeah. But little little different. Still got kind of the, the headband feeling. Uh yeah. 
but but yeah, it's uh, definitely definitely took the edge off my coffee. I was a little jittery and it kind of mm-hmm. uh, chilled it out. Um, so we'll see. This is the next. This is the so. This D8. is the next. Yeah, this is the next cannabinoid. Uh, and I think this is going to be a big one. Uh, like CBG sort of flopped. Doesn't do anything. It doesn't really do. Well, it's good for your gut, right? But it's not like doesn't doesn't seem to have. Again, it's just well, it's we don't know yet. There hasn't been enough studies. Well, so I don't know if smoking it cures COVID, but it might. Because <laughs> they say COVID lives like in in your like throat and respiratory system, and then if the CBGA is able to kill MRSA, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But that CBGA would be turned into CBG by the time it got in there, right? This is true. I don't know if the CBG has the same antimicrobial properties, but uh, but it might. Th- THCP is starting to float around too, and CBDP. <laughs> I don't know much about the CBDP's effects, but the THCP. How did it both get you seriously whacked though? Like, I saw someone on LinkedIn today who selling some, and he said took a few too many hits and now it feels like i'm on mushrooms so we'll see how long that one sticks around <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think it's too strong i think that if i think i think i think that the company has a responsibility to not release it's like releasing fentanyl yeah right like well, yeah they're mixing it in at one percent and i noticed some of the one percent it's i'm seeing stuff that's like one percent eighty percent delta eight and then some other stuff as well and it's like at least for me i'd probably rather it in a in a more inert cannabinoid something like cbd or cbt or cbc or something that's not going to really you know because then if i'm smoking the thcp i'm probably feeling the delta 8 as well have you uh, have you tried or heard anything about delta 10 I've heard a lot about it. I've stayed away from it because every time I see someone selling it, I'm like, can I get a COA? And it's like 20% Delta 10. (laughs) And I think the problem with it in the hemp industry is, from my understanding, you have to go from, you have to start with with Delta 9. You can't do it from Delta 8. And and technically all Delta 8 goes through Delta 9 as well, but in the fucking flask. Sorry, I don't know if I'm supposed to curse on your show. No, Um, whatever, (laughs) man. It's all right. You can do your thing. Uh, But, but, in, Shame on you. You know, right? <laughs> it's family friendly. We're family friendly. Um, but, but it's like you're not storing D9 somewhere. But if you're going from CBD to D9 to D10, maybe that all happens in the same flux too all at, all at once. I don't know. I'm not familiar enough with the process. Well, um, I think it's a little ridiculous to be bodied just certain cannabinoids based on the fact that they're cousins of a of a family member right like delta it's just like well if it has delta in there we gotta get it out but and you can see what these small changes can do you know the difference between cbd and delta 8 and delta 9 it's literally the same it's an isomer the same molecule but two of the three are very psychoactive and then you know you can make some small changes and get to thcp and you're 100 times more potent and apparently lasts for three days so, so I see what you mean. We can't necessarily just be throwing all these cannabinoids out there because it's not necessarily, I mean, if the general consumer just picks up random cannabinoids at a gas station, eventually that's going to be problematic. But I'm also worried about all these other side reactions that are happening. You know, yeah, there comes a point. What looking for. Is it these quinones or these HHUs or who knows? 
yeah or even just in a poor reaction so i think yeah that stuff with the the guy ion what was it on ion trap. the ion trap yeah yeah what a lot of shit huh <laughs> like him versus king of the kush but i think it was uh it was a quite a unique thing but i did think it brought up that hey the, uh, again it was obviously all blown out of proportion like some of these other compounds the cressols or the phytols um Simeen, Simeen. yeah they didn't seem to be it didn't seem there we did i As think that the kca did thought. that random random like pull from 10 samples and that made me feel a lot better yeah, so it's just like a lot of horseshit. Yeah, but I, I think, like I said, six months ago, a year ago, that might not have been the case. Six months ago or a year ago when everything was purple and red and not properly fully converted or cleaned up and nobody was doing any sort of post-processing, I mean, maybe those things were there. Or maybe those things were present in the literature because they were using weird shit in the labs like organometallics or you know other more you know gross stuff yeah they come and so i think it's important i think there should i mean should there be regulation i mean i think that i think that it's important to have standards to abide by you know i, I think that's very important and i think that um i think things can get dangerous quick and I don't think we'll self-regulate like Ion Trap was like, you guys should be self-regulating. Push the bad actors out. And that's like you realize like, to the everybody's, police. especially with hemp and D8, it's like there's too much, too too much of us. And, and people buy shit too. Like you go to a dispensary, there's all sorts of low-grade products I wouldn't touch that people buy up But there's people day. like that, right? And every to each their own. And I think everybody has a budget. And I think that the main thing is, is that people are informed that they make the right decision for them. And whether that's, you know, a, a $5 gram or if it's a $20 gram, I think that everything has its place. And uh, I, I think I think that, if, and if it's at a really low grade, let's extract the oil and put it into edibles, right? Or right. distill it and pure, and so we can really utilize this and whole entire plant as cleanly as possible, really. Um, and this thing grows so quick. I mean, like, <laughs> it really grows like a weed. It's crazy. And there's some parts of the of the world, you know, equatorial places, you just all year round, you know, fiber, seed, oil. I mean, they made cars out of it at one point. Well, not in production, but the first Model T, I believe, was made out of hemp. It was supposed to be, like, indestructible. But they weren't driving too fast back then. <laughs> See how that holds up at 100 miles an hour. Yeah, not looking too good there. Or maybe, maybe who knows? And uh, that that hempcrete with lime, that stuff's like crazy durable and super lightweight. And I think it's flame retardant. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, it works well as insulation. Um, like it's so versatile. It's unbelievable. Animal bedding. I mean, you name it. There's just I think the hemp plastics, once it really comes in, is just huge. Biodegradable hemp plastics. Yeah, yeah, we've got that on our cartridges, uh, not on our carts, on our uh, on our blunts, and um, nice. yeah, just really, really nice to be able to 
know that it's going to decompose and it's just not going to sit somewhere forever basically <laughs> yeah i'd like to see the industry move away from a little of the unnecessary packaging and and i don't know it's uh i guess it's not not too crazy but but we use pretty minimal packaging and try to use rechargeable batteries and refillable cartridges and that kind and of so stuff. i don't like yeah. i really i don't like the the disposables, right? These one-time use is just like, um, yeah, it feels nice in your hand, but can we have like a recharge and like, can we just get different cars to go in there? Like, why do we need to throw away the battery? Right. Right. Why even give a charger? It's like you can recharge it once or whatever. That was probably, uh, for, uh, probably the room. All right. Um, so I'm sitting here with uh, one of your extracts, Eric. Yeah. And uh, it looks pretty dank here, and it's an attempt. Yeah. So that's uh, that's a sour lifter from Oregon CBD. We made that uh, about nine months ago after the last hemp harvest. We uh, we do a pretty small scale, pretty small batch. We um, went went through the fields that we have access to that we make our terpenes out of and basically hand selected a couple hundred plants and worked from there. And uh, it was great. My partner and I, by the time we were done uh, pulling plants, our noses were both just like black covered in, in resin. We were really getting in there. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're real happy with, uh, with that. We have this new license from the OLCC that allows us to bring uh, hemp products with up to 5% THC into the recreational market into metric nice and uh that's that's one of our products that we do and i think it's it stands out and it's interesting because most hemp products have to be below 0.3 thc and you don't really get that entourage effect most people are working with isolates distillates mm -hmm. and then watering it down um and then in the recreational market most people don't want to spend their time and energy on cbd stuff especially in this day and age when hemp and cbd stuff's all over the fucking swearing again <laughs> all over the uh you know all over the place so there's no reason to do it but but this um much like d8 i was doing it in the morning it just has a little bit of thc in there but much more 15 times more than anything on the hemp shelf so it's mm -hmm. like you still feel a little bit but it doesn't get you too stoned and you still get the full uh you know full spectrum entourage effect and we're also doing uh hemp rso which you know most people can't do because it's you know going to be five percent when you extract it down because um for those listening if you don't know hemp typically you know when you harvest it it's going to be 0.3 you hope percent thc but a lot of times it's closer to one percent um really at least at yeah. least but you know it it is what it is some people do get stuff that's below 0.3 that they use for flour and a lot of it goes so much work to get it to the 0.3 or below just so many processes it's, to get it there it's like ridiculous it's a problem so so then when you uh, concentrate a flour you're going to typically have a five to ten percent uh you know multiplication of your starting cannabinoids so if we had 0.5 percent uh thc in a flower our extract's going to be about five percent thc so 
uh, it's, it's been interesting. A lot of uh, older people like it because they don't want to necessarily get into dabs because the THC dabs get you really high. Mm-hmm. But they're starting to learn that it's sometimes easier than flour to smoke. You don't have to roll it up and it's cleaner just because you're removing all those plant lipids and mm-hmm. waxes, which like we said earlier, might serve some benefit. There's definitely different effects when you smoke, smoke flour versus concentrates. But for me personally, I typically like the concentrates because flour just feels dirty at this point. I always mm. say it's like if you smoke a brand new bong, brand new bong, fresh, clean water with a bowl of flour, you wouldn't want to drink that bong water. Like one hit, it already tastes and smells gross. <laughs> but a dab rig, you know, I've had dab rigs around that I don't change the water for like, you know, weeks and it's still clear and doesn't smell weird or anything yeah because it's know? clean filtered you know, we've pulled all that all that crap out and especially and there's now that so much crap it. people for those of you who don't know there's so much crap from Your just target the, molecules what 15 20 sometimes crazy high 30 percent that means you have 70 percent plant cellulose lipids waxes fiber yeah. pigments i mean yeah just everything and Ants, spider eyes, bird poop. <laughs> yeah, just the outdoor stuff. Just the outdoor stuff, garbage just happened to be around there. And we can even remove pesticides in some instances. Yes. And some people get scared of the CRC. And yeah, sometimes, depending on how you do it, you pull desirable terpenes that you would have rather kept. But um, in general, I don't see what the problem is with having a cleaner, more refined product. That's the same reason I started smoking concentrates and Mm -hmm. back when i did that people were really skeptical of concentrates too i mean and now people are more skeptical of concentrates that look cleaner but i mean corn oil or sorbine oil or olive oil i mean they look real gross when you initially extract them we use the same powders the same filtration techniques to clean our oil that we cook with and, and eat all the time and and people for whatever reason get scared about it in this in this new product i think they're just not informed and and i think that there's also bad actors that uh, get a lot of the attention and then it suddenly turns into uh you know just uh, people are afraid and they don't want crc but then they also don't want dark extracts and so it's like uh, it's a funny thing sometimes where uh it's a, it's an even medium. I think it's a you, you have to find the the nice balance of it, or you know fire in fire out. I still think even though it still acts as a point of filtration, right? And it and it and it it does clean up your extract. So, I mean, it's pretty minimal loss. Yeah, like we're really not five to ten percent much. I mean, we're pulling, you know, pigments and sometimes extra fats and lipids and sometimes some terpenes but uh you know it's really we're not adding anything and we're not taking away anything that's super important i know this one lady who um she really likes rso but she doesn't like it like too clear looking she's like i need the chlorophyll i need the chlorophyll for Mm. it to work which i don't know maybe she does and she knows something i don't I'm like, go chew on some grass. Like, <laughs> go, yeah. go eat the chlorophyll. Eat some basil. Yeah, the, there's definitely been something though about the power of RSO in the way that it is, and it's crazy. It's 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 unbelievable what it can do, and uh, I think there's so many angles where we don't know. Mm-hmm. We just don't know. And I don't know compared to like 
distillate that might still be considered full spectrum mm-hmm. that's more cleaned up than RSO. Like, I don't know if anybody's ever done a side-by-side on, you know, fighting cancer or whatever else they're doing with the RSO. With distillate, maybe maybe they're still getting better effects with the full spectrum RSO that's still got the lipids and the waxes and, you know, the, the heads and the tails and everything else that you would have pulled out when you made the distillate. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> curious to see but like then again like i said like with the israel case it's like you got to make sure it's from the same plant you got to make sure it's like the same crude versus the same distillate with the same kind of people same control group you can't just say distillate versus rso one's better one's not because i'm sure in some instances it could go either direction yeah i think there's no question full spectrum is better um and uh and ideally as much as the plant as it basically as much of the plant as possible without the actual biomass i think is like the yeah and i'm excited to see the carts that are one to one to one to one to one to one to one you know the cbd and the thc delta eight and delta nine and this hhc and you know just a full so full spattering what are your thoughts uh we've been hearing now puffing on this for maybe like 20 30 minutes now um what do you think is your feelings and effects after puffing on this HHC for a while? I've got good energy, still feel a little stoned, still have the headband, feel almost like I'm floating a little, like I feel feel kind of kind of lightweight. Uh, all all in all, you know, pretty impressive. Uh, I might, you know might add that to my regiment. I don't know exactly how different it feels from Delta 8 or Delta 9. I mean, it's really similar feeling, honestly. I'm not sure what would make me reach for that Good enough. over the Delta 9. Yeah, I mean, at some point, I suppose at some point, if you had them in front of you, which would you choose? Which would I, I choose? See, this is the thing for me. I'm, I, well, it just goes back to if it was in a world where maybe they're not legal. Then your 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 options change. You'll always go for the HHC if it was no option at all, right? That well, was you know, that's I'm, sort of the. I'm going the to Texas. I'm huh? going to Texas right after this, and it's like I guess this doesn't have a COA and a label and a box that says HHC. So for all they know, if they pull me over, that's Delta Nine. But it's like I feel a lot more comfortable with this HHC than sure. you know bringing back some, some Nevada Nevada mids. Yeah. But I've, I've got my CBDA live resin with me, so we're good. All right, well, I think we'll call it that, bud. Um, time to go back to champs. Yeah, time to, to go back to champs. Uh, tell us again, Eric, where can we where can we find you? Where can we get your terpenes? Um, uh, you can find me at fatdogcbd.com or my uh, Instagrams, Farmex, Oregon. P with a p oh yeah p-h-a-r-m-e-x like pharmaceutical extractions killer killer well look thank you very much it was uh very enjoyable and uh we'll talk soon thanks for having me all right peace cool (laughs) yeah